When I was a kid, we loved to play outdoors. Whether the weather was nice or even if it was a really rainy or bad day, we were always trying to go outside to play. That was just what we did as kids. And one of the games we always played was the game of tag. Tag is like the playground classic. Everyone's played tag before. And the whole point of the game is there's one person who's it, and it's that person's job to run around and try to tag everybody else. Everyone else in the game's mission is to run around and, and try to get away from that person. And when you play the game of tag, we always had a place that we designated as glue. And that was kind of the place you could go to if you got tired. So you're out running around, you're not it, and you get tired, you can run back to glue. And while you're on glue, you're safe. You can't be tagged, you can rest up, you can get your energy back, and then you could go back out there. But the problem was there was always people who would spend the whole game sitting on glue. Right? I mean, every time you play it, there's always that, like, one kid who just sits on glue the whole time, and then they get off for a second, and then they go right back to it. Right? So we had to create a rule eventually, and maybe you did too, where you weren't, weren't allowed to sit on glue the whole time. Like, if you sat on glue, you were just going to automatically be it because you're cheating. You're not playing the game. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And if you were here last week, uh, Pastor James talked about the mission that we have, the thing that we're supposed to be doing if we're Christians, if we're followers of Jesus, what we're supposed to do. And that mission is to go and make disciples. Uh, Jesus, right before he ascended to heaven, he said to his disciples, here's what I want you guys to do. It's in Matthew chapter 28. He said, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus says, what I want you to do is to go. Basically, what Jesus is saying is, I don't want you to sit on glue. I want you to go out into the world. I want you to do what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be playing the game. And I think for Christians, a lot of the time, what we like to do is sit on glue. I think we find more comfort in just sitting on our glue, which is our church. We like to just come to church, and we like to get filled up ourselves, and we like to, you know, uh, learn spiritually, and we like to do this stuff, and we're comfortable here. And then Jesus says, that's awesome, great. Now I want you to go, and I want you to make disciples. And we're like, nah, I don't know if I can really do that. Like, can you imagine if when Jesus was sharing the Great Commission, if he told his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, somebody raised their hand and was like, well, Jesus, nah, I'm not really that good at that. I don't really want to do that. Do you think I could just work my regular job and like keep learning from the Bible and love my family and that's it? Would that be cool? Yeah. I mean, that would just never happen, right? No one's going to say that to Jesus because he would be like, uh, no, right? He's not going to just like change the mission because it's inconvenient to you in a moment or it's uncomfortable to you in a moment. Jesus is like, no, this is the mission. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. If we don't like it, too bad. We should find a different leader to follow because Jesus is the leader and Jesus says, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. So that's what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. But it's not easy to do, right? And that's where we're going to jump into today. We're going to look at the how-to behind all of this. But before we get into that, I just want you to know what you're up against. When you go into the world to make disciples, here's what's going to be coming up against you as you go out. Christians got a bad reputation, don't we? I mean, let's just be honest, right? If you ask the average person, they're going to say Christians are judgmental and fake. 
So that's what you're going up against as you go out into the world to, to share Jesus with people. Automatically, people are going to think you're judgmental or fake. So here's two things to do as you go out into the world. Number one, don't be judgmental. Okay? For some reasons, we do this as Christians. You know, We think that, that well, we follow Jesus and we live life the way Jesus wants us to live life. So everybody else should be living that way too. And we think people who are outside the church walls, people who don't know Jesus, they should be doing the right thing, right? They should be living life the way Jesus says to live, right? No. I mean, yeah, they should be living that way, but they don't believe what you believe. So why would they behave the way that you behave? When you go out into the world, don't expect people to behave before they believe. I mean, let's just pretend I'm not a Christian. I've got my life, and, and I've got work, and I've got my family, I've got friends, I, I've got my life the way it is, and I'm a pretty good person, you know, I take care of people, I believe in doing the right thing, and having honor, and integrity, and, and all that good stuff, but I live my life by my code of ethics, about doing what I think's right to do. I don't do what Jesus would say is right to do. We probably agree on some things, Jesus and I probably would agree on certain things, but there's probably some things we disagree on. But it doesn't matter because I don't follow Jesus. So I live my life the way I live my life. So why would you, as a Christian, expect me to live my life the way Jesus says to live? I mean, that just doesn't make sense. Why would I, as somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, live life the way that Jesus says to live life? I'm not interested in how he says to live life because I don't believe in him. Don't expect people to behave a certain way if they don't believe a certain way. Give them some grace. Give them some free passage to believe first before you try to expect somebody to behave a certain way. That's why we get the reputation of being so judgmental. And we do it amongst ourselves, too. We like to judge other Christians, too. And I guess that's just kind of human nature. You know, we're all nosy. And we like to know everybody else's business. And we like to have an opinion on things, right? But Jesus talked about that too. He put it this way. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He's saying, why do you spend so much time judging somebody else when you've got all kinds of issues too? You're just as jacked up as they are. But you like to judge them because they sin differently than you do? Jesus is saying, hey, don't judge people just because they sin differently than you do. Instead of worrying so much about what everybody else is doing that's wrong, why don't you spend a little more time focusing on yourselves and what you need to be doing as a follower of Jesus? Okay, if we could do that kind of stuff, maybe we wouldn't have the reputation of being judgmental. The other bad reputation that we get is being fake. A lot of the times people will think we're fake when we go out into the world, and I guess that's because we're trying to put on our best. You know, we want to be our best person all the time, and then we do that especially when we come to church on Sundays. We get to church on Sundays, we want to look as good as we can, we want to act as good as we can, you know, we think we've got to be really good inside this building, we don't want to say anything bad or do anything wrong, right, because then we'll look like we're not perfect or we don't have it all together or, or whatever. Guys, just be yourself, you know. You're not perfect, and neither is the person next to you, and neither am I. The only one around here who's perfect is our leader, Jesus. He's the only one that's perfect. And it's okay to be imperfect and follow a perfect leader. That's what being a Christian is all about. 
So if you can just be yourself here in this building, when you go out into the world, know that it's okay to just be yourself out there too. You don't have to always end up doing the right thing. You don't have to be perfect all the time. You know, if you, if you mess up, if you do something wrong, hey, there's grace there. You don't have to be this perfect person. You're not supposed to be Jesus. You're just supposed to tell people about Jesus. There's a big difference between the two. You're not supposed to actually be Jesus. You're just supposed to point people to Jesus. You don't need to be perfect. You're just supposed to point the world to the one who is perfect. Okay, so those are two things not to do. Okay, we got that out of the way. Don't be judgmental and don't be fake as you got into the world. Now we're going to dive in to the how-to on this. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, a lot of the information I'm going to share this morning is from a book called Life on Mission by a pastor named Tim Harlow. Uh, and if you don't know this, uh, the number one best-selling book of all time is the Bible. It's the number one best-selling book of all time. There's never been more copies of any other book sold except the Bible. It's the number one best-selling nonfiction book of all time. The number two best-selling nonfiction book of all time is called The Purpose Driven Life. It's by a pastor named Rick Warren. He's a pastor out in Saddleback Church in California. And the book's all about how to live. Like, why are you here, and what's the purpose of your life? Like, what, what are you supposed to be doing? He says in the book that you were made by God and for God. And until you figure that out, life isn't going to make sense. And that's what this book's all about, helping you make sense of life. And it's a great resource if you're trying to figure out what in the world you're doing in life. This is a good book to read. And then Rick says, after you read this book, like part two of that, is to read the book Life on Mission by Tim Harlow. The foreword's actually written by Rick Warren. He says, now that you understand what your purpose is, that you're made by God and for God, now you're supposed to live a life on mission. Now you're supposed to be out there with Jesus doing what he commanded to do. And this book helps walk you through what that's like. It's called Life on Mission by Tim Harlow. I had the privilege of getting to know Tim for many years. I actually started in ministry in Chicago at Tim's church, and I worked with, it, worked with him for several years and, and got to know him pretty well, and he's the real deal. Uh, what you read in the book and what he talks about in the book, he's doing in real life, and, and real fast, I'm going to hit you with my best Tim Harlow story. So I'm working with, uh, at Tim's church, Parkview Christian Church in Chicago, and I was working in our student ministry department. I'm 22 years old, and we had two interns that also work for our church both of whom are under 22 years old as well. So, basically, we're the three stooges. I mean, we're young, we're dumb, we think we know everything, because that's what people in their 20s do, right? And we're driving around one day, and my friend who was driving, he says, hey, we got to stop at Tim's house real quick. And I knew Tim was out of town on vacation. So I said, oh, you know, Tim's out of town. And he said, oh, no, it's fine, it's fine. He gave me the garage code, so we'll be able to get in, you know. Well, okay, that's kind of weird, but we get over to Tim's house. We punch in the garage code, and it opens up. We go in the garage, and we get up to the door that connects from the garage to the house. And believe it or not, I was the voice of reason in this scenario. And I said, hey, guys, no one leaves town on vacation and doesn't set the alarm on their house. I bet when you open that door to go into the house, the alarm's going to go on. My friends are like, nah, it's totally going to be fine. It's no big deal. We already got through the garage. Alarm didn't go off. It's cool. It's fine. I'm like, okay. As soon as they open that door, alarm starts blaring, right? 
and my two friends run inside the house. So there I am in the garage, left with a predicament. The alarm's blaring. It's broad daylight. There are neighbors outside who are now looking at me. I can either, A, go outside the garage and have all these neighbors staring at me, or I can, B, commit the felony of breaking and entering and enter into Tim's house. So, of course, I did the B&E. I did the breaking and entering. I went inside the kitchen, right? I go inside, it's chaos, total chaos. The alarm's blaring, the dog is barking, my friends are freaking out, the phone is ringing. Again, I'm the voice of reason. I know that that phone that's ringing is the alarm company, and they're going to be calling because the alarm's going off. That's what happens, right? What do I do? I answer the phone. <laughs> I figure if anybody could talk their way out of this scenario, it's got to be me, right? So I pick up the phone. I'm like, oh, hey, hello. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I, I just set it off by accident, you know. And she says, oh, okay, that's fine. No problem. We can get that fixed for you. What's your name? I said, uh, my name. Oh, oh, my name. Uh, uh, Tim Harlow. She says, oh, okay, Mr. Harlow, uh, just one more quick thing, and I'll turn it off for you. What's your password? I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> password? I don't know the password. Long story short, we had to get in touch with Tim and get the password, and we put it in, and it was all fine. No, no cops came. We're all good, and everything's still good. Uh, Tim didn't fire any of the three stooges, and we're all still friends, and everything's good, because that, that's who Tim was. He's just a really good guy. He's a nice guy. He just lives his life that way. He's extremely generous. And in his book, he kind of walks people through, hey, here's how to share the gospel with people. Here's how to do the mission, live a life on mission with Jesus, to go into the world and to make disciples. And the first thing that he says, hey, you got to do is that you should be investing and inviting. Those are the two words that we're going to learn today, investing and inviting. And the first one is to invest in people. The first thing we're supposed to do if we're going to share Jesus with people, share the hope that we have, the first thing we've got to do is to invest in people. And there's a couple ways to do that, and one is to just connect with people. To just have conversations with people, to love people, to be friends with people who are outside the church. I know it's really easy to just go, well, everybody I know is a Christian, right? I've heard that from people all the time when we say, hey, go share the mission of Jesus. Well, I don't know any non-Christians. Guess what? Go get to know some. Uh, That's what Jesus would say to do. He wouldn't say, oh, you don't know any Christians. Well, you don't have to do the mission then. He said, go into the world and connect with people. You could do this just by being friends with people who are outside. You know, Jesus modeled this all throughout his life. Jesus was a teacher, he he was a pastor, he was a leader amongst uh, Christians in his group, and he had a small group that he met with all the time and learned how to do life. He studied the word, he knew the word, but his whole mission, his whole ministry was focused on people who were on the outside of the church. He focused on the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, the ex-cons. That was the ministry of Jesus, not the people inside. 
Everything that he did was focused on the people who were outside the church walls. He spent so much time hanging out with people who were outside the church walls that he actually got a really bad reputation with the people who were inside the church walls. This is what the Christians said about Jesus back in the day. This is what the religious people said about Jesus. They said, this Jesus guy here is a glutton and a drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus' reputation amongst the religious people was that he was a glutton and a drunkard, and he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, does that mean Jesus was out being a drunkard? No. But he had that reputation because he was always hanging around those people. Jesus spent his time hanging around with people who were on the outside. Can you imagine if, if a leader like Jesus in the church world had that reputation today? If they had a reputation amongst the church people that, oh, he's a person that hangs out with Christians, he's a drunkard, he's a glutton, he's hanging out with people he's not supposed to, they'd probably let that pastor go, wouldn't they? That was Jesus. Jesus didn't care what the reputation was inside the church of religious people. He cared about the people on the outside and how he can connect with them. That was his whole ministry and that was his whole focus. Can I, can I let you into my own little world for a second? Man, one of the goals of my life is to live a life that receives the same type of criticism as Jesus did. Now, I hope I live a life where there are people criticizing who I'm hanging out with. I hope I lived a life where people are complaining that I'm hanging out with that person or this person or I'm hanging out with the, the drunkards or, or the sinners. I, I hope I live that kind of life, man, because that's the life that Jesus lived. He focused his whole life and his whole ministry on those who were outside the church walls. And that's what we're supposed to do. Let's get real practical, okay? Maybe, maybe you've got some, uh, maybe you got a kid that's on baseball or some other sport. You're always at the games, right? You're at all the practices. You're at all the games. And what's really easy to do is to only talk to the other parents that you already know, is to just talk to your own family or the friends that you already have. What Jesus would say to do is, hey, why don't you talk to that other parent that you never talked to? Why don't you connect with somebody you don't normally connect with? Not, not about anything religious, not about Jesus, not nothing like that. Just talking and having conversations. And throughout the course of that season, you can build a friendship. And over the course of months and years, you can build more and more of a friendship. And you begin to care about that person. You begin to love that person. That's what it means to connect with people outside of the church walls. And the other thing we can do is to start serving those people. We can start serving the people that we've been connected with who are on the outside. Maybe in the course of those conversations you've had with that other parent, you learn that they really like a certain drink from Starbucks. Go buy it for them someday. Bring it to the next practice. Bring it to the next game for them. And that's a real practical, easy way to serve somebody else. Maybe it becomes something a little more serious. You know they're going through a hard time, maybe financially or with something else that's happening in the family. And you can just encourage them. You could build that person up when you see them. You could try to be the little bit of light that they have in their whole day. That's what it means to start to serve people. The first thing to do if you're going to share the gospel, if you're going to go and make disciples, is to invest in people, to intentionally connect with people who are outside the church walls like Jesus did, and to serve them like Jesus said. The Bible puts it this way about Jesus himself. It says, Jesus, even Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus modeled this throughout his whole life. He modeled service. And we're supposed to be doing the same thing if we're going to represent him and share him 
with the world. After you've invested in people and you've spent the time and you've earned the right to speak about things in their life, then you get the opportunity to invite people. Invest and invite. Invite's the second part of this whole thing. And the mistake that Christians often make is we like to start with the inviting thing. We like to go out and just like talk about God and talk about Jesus right away. I get that. I know because I'm a pastor, okay? I could talk about Jesus till your head falls off. I can go on and on and on and on. I love to talk about Jesus. But if you just go out and talk about God and Jesus right off the bat, you're going to freak some people out, right? I mean, people are going to think you're like this weird, religious-y type person because you're starting off with Jesus. You're probably going to scare them away. And you know what? It's probably going to go down a lot like this. Look, look, I'm a pastor, but if somebody comes at me with a song like that, I'm going to run too. Okay, it's just kind of weird. So so you first have to invest in people. You've got to connect with them. You've got to love them. You've got to serve them. You've got to earn the right to invite them later on. And there's probably a bunch of ways to invite people. We're just going to look at two today. One is the easy one. You can invite people to church. You can invite people here to this building. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. That's the weekend where people are more likely to accept your invitation to church than any other weekend that's out there. It's the perfect time to do that. We even make that easy for you by making these cards that say when the Easter service times are. That way you physically have something to hand out that they'll have to remember what times the services are. On the other side of it's all the kids' activities. It's got the Easter egg hunt and all that other stuff on there because we want to make it easy for you to invite people to this building. Okay, that's an easy, easy way to invite people to follow Jesus by inviting them here to this place. That's why we have all the kids' programs. We've got the kids' programs. We've got the Easter egg hunt. We've got kids' ministry on Sundays. We've got student ministry stuff as well. We do all that so that when you invite friends to come to this church, they've got those programs for their kids and for their family. That's the reason we do that. Yeah, it's for you and your kids, but it's for those kids as well. Because Jesus focused his ministry on those on the outside, not those on the inside. And we're trying to follow his footsteps around here. That's the reason there's always something around this building being remodeled. Right? We're in a really expensive building. It's a really nice building. Why? Because when you invite people to follow Jesus and you invite them here to this place to help them do that, we want them to come to a nice place. We don't want to say, hey, come follow this Jesus guy. He changed my life. He's so awesome. Oh, yeah, and we meet in this raggedy old building over here. Don't you want to come? No. We want them to be able to come to a really nice environment so that they have no obstacles in the way of helping them meet Jesus. That's why we spend all the money around here. It's not so we can have a nicer building. 
It's so that we can reach people who are on the outside. One way to invite people to follow Jesus is to physically invite them to this building. The other way is to invite people to follow Jesus by sharing your story with them. This one takes a little bit of vulnerability. It takes you a little bit of you being the real you to other people, where you share your story in life with someone else. But here's the really awesome thing about sharing your story with people. Nobody can argue with your story. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have to know a lot of theology to share your story. You don't have to know all the Bible. You don't have to have all the answers because you're not talking about that. You're talking about your story. You're saying, hey, this is what my life is like when Jesus is not a part of it. When I don't focus on God, when he's just kind of the leftovers, when I've been away from him in the stages of my life where I've kind of ignored him, this is what my life looked like. And when I focus my time and my energy on God and I focus on the relationship with him, this is what it looks like. I don't know all the answers to your questions. I don't know all the theology. I'm not a super smart guy. But what I know is I was once blind and now I see. This is what my life used to be like, and this is what my life is now. When God's not a part of it, it looks like this, and when God is a part of it, it looks like this. That's your story. And when you share that with somebody that you've invested in, they can't argue with you because it's your story. They can't tell you you're wrong. You get to just share your story with people, and you probably get the opportunity to hear their story too. That's often a good place to get a chance to tell your story is to ask somebody else what their story in life has been as well. That's what this whole thing's about. Jesus said, hey, go and make disciples. And we in the church like to think evangelism is this really scary, intimidating thing that we don't know how to do. And really, it's not that complicated. It's just about investing and inviting. You invest in people, you connect with them, you serve them, you love them, you get to know them, and then you'll get the opportunity to invite them to follow Jesus, either physically to this building or by sharing your story with them. For some of us, we've been following Jesus for a really long time, and we've yet to get off glue and get in the game. For some of us, we've been following Jesus for a super long time. We would say we're a Christian, we're a follower of Jesus, but we're not going and making any disciples. And Jesus says that's just not how it works. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to go out and make disciples. You have to leave glue, you've got to leave your comfort zone, and you've got to go out into the world, invest in people, and invite people. Maybe you just need some encouragement to go do that. Maybe today you just need to be pushed in that direction. And you need me to tell you to get off glue and start playing, or I need to just invoke the automatic it rule and say, you know, you've been sitting on glue too long, so tag your it. It's time to get out there and do the mission of going and making disciples. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for Jesus and for his heart for people, for his heart for the lost. He spent his whole life focused on the people who were outside. Lord, we pray that you would give us the same heart and the same passion and the same desire to go out into our world and to invest in people who are around us, to connect with them, to serve them and to eventually invite them to follow you because we know how important it is to have people that we love and care about connected to you. Help us to do that this week. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.